0: Amen. Again, I want to thank our brother Scott and I want to thank our brother um, uh, back here. Some of you may recognize our brother Brother mills back here. Yeah. <laughs> Joshua Mills on the base. I told me he surprised me. I said, I didn't know that that was a talent and skill that we had sitting in that pew. And there are probably a few of you that we don't know of some talents and skills that are in the pews um, that we are looking for them coming out of the pews. And so we appreciate him and, of course, Paul and our brother Scott um, leading us this morning. We're going to get into God's word this morning. And um, Um, I'm having him just adjust some things on my end. Some of you guys may feel fine, but he's going to adjust the ones up front. I don't get back here and start losing any more weight standing here. Sweating. Um, But if you can stand, we're going to read God's word today. We are still in Matthew. Last week, we heard um, great um, word from a very uh, ready, humble, prepared servant in Mike Newton. And so we're going to continue on um, chapter 10, verses 16 through 25. You can turn in your Bibles to that. And if um, if you want to read from the bulletin, you can join us together. Let's read together. Behold, I am sending you out as sheep in the midst of wolves. So be wise as serpents and innocent as doves. Beware of men, for they will deliver you over to courts and flog you in their synagogues. And you will be dragged before governors and kings for my sake, to bear witness before them and the Gentiles. When they deliver you over, do not be anxious how you are to speak, How much more will they malign those of his household? Amen. You may be seated. Last week, we looked at the disciples being sent. Before that, we saw how Christ told them that you are to pray to the Lord of the harvest for laborers. And then we learned, as Mike mentioned, that God had them Pray for themselves because he sent them out after he told them to pray. And last week, what we learned though is that is that God chooses ordinary people. When you read the 12, you're not reading some list of supermen. Uh, God does not call supermen. And let me help out. God does not need Superman. Uh, he has one, He is one in Christ our Lord. But what and who Christ calls? are ordinary people, what we get from the list is that God chooses ordinary people who will cause most people to scratch their heads and go, why did he choose them? And and, and when he could have had someone with a bigger name and someone with more influence and someone with more status, he chose 12 ordinary men and did extraordinary with them. And so what he is saying, what he is showing, what he is doing is that he doesn't need you trying to show off to the world that you the man or you the woman. He said he wants you to come to him realizing that without him, you really don't matter. And that as he uses you in his mission, he shows himself off through you because he becomes the focus. And it was with these 12 because people were so shocked that these 12, most of them uneducated and and really some of them hated. When you think about the tax collector and the zealot on the same team, I'm sure there were many scratching their heads going, why on earth did he choose them? And so but when they saw what God did through them, what Jesus sent them to do and had allowed them to do when they saw that. They turned and said how awesome Jesus is, how great God is, and that's what should happen. And so he called 12 ordinary, and as we learned last week, um, they were sent out with prayer, purpose, power, and provision that 's what Mike Newton shared with us last week, and we 're just continuing that, so remember that when he sent them out, he gave them all authority, and he sent them, and he gave them instructions first where not to go, and then where to go. In other words, he set boundaries, and, and that 's what we learned. Jesus ain 't telling you to go where you want to go and do whatever you want to do. he 's actually set boundaries, and he set a mission, and he expect that mission to be followed. It may seem like it is mission impossible. But it was actually mission possible because of who was doing the sending. And so as a result, they were sent out on this mission with this great power. But here's what I like. Right before they were getting ready to be sent out and and we had all this great purpose, I mean, prayer and purpose and power, and they were going to be provided for. They get all excited. I'm a king's kid. I belong to Jesus. I can do anything. I can take over the world. Boy, he tempers that quickly and gives them a dose of reality that sometimes I think we need to have. As a matter of fact, I really believe sometimes for us what he gives them next is what causes many of us to be tripped up, that we start to stumble and think, well, maybe this isn't God, or we start to think, maybe I don't want this Christian thing. Maybe I don't want this serving God thing. Because what he gives them next seems like it would make them go, okay, excuse me, can I put the finger up and just excuse myself? And so I am putting a tag on this today. What I'm tiling today is the preparation for persecution. The preparation for persecution. Understand, he's sending them out two by two, gave them all authority. Boy, that message of preach, he gave them all authority, and you ought to cast out demons, you ought to heal the sick, you ought to cleanse the leper. In other words, all the things that he did, and boy, I can just see swelling up and chest getting big, and we get getting ready to do what Jesus did. And then he said, you sure are, and you are going to get ready to be treated as I've been treated. And for you and I today, if indeed we call ourselves followers of Christ, yes, we have Access to the power of God because it is in us in him. Yes, we have access to accomplishing the mission of God because he sent us. Yes, we can do the works that he has done. And Jesus said, "An even greater, we can, we, can, we can do those things that he wants us to do to accomplish. Proclaiming the gospel and allowing people to come to him, we can. But he said, along with it comes something else that you have to be prepared to receive. And see, he considered this critical enough that he needed to tell them and warn them right away. And he does that for us. God has indeed sent you. He has called you first to himself because the scripture says he called his disciples. I like that. That is a possessive. They, they were his disciples. So first, the call isn't God needs me to go out on mission for him. No, no. God needs you to come to him so he can clean you up because you are useless without coming to him first. And for those of us that think that we can, just, we can just do nice and moral things and we can do Christian things and God is happy, God doesn't need you doing things for him. He can choose anything, anyone What does God desire? He desires clean vessels that are honoring and worshiping him, following him in obedience that he can showcase to the world as he sends them out into the darkness, as he sends them out into this lost and perverted world. And so first he calls you to himself, and then he sends you as a representative of him. And then he says this, He says, I send you out as sheep. Three things we're going to look at today. We're going to look at the precaution from Jesus. We're going to look at the persecution because of Jesus. And we're going to look at the promise from Jesus. So those three things, we're going to look at the precaution that comes from Jesus. He he, he, he gives them a word of warning and caution. And then we're going to look at the persecution because of Jesus. Now, there will be some that will be persecuted because of their own foolishness. You on your own. But there will be those that will be persecuted because of their walk of faith. And then lastly, there is a promise that Jesus gives as well that will help to settle us in this. And so the first one. A precaution from Jesus. As we look at the word, it actually says in verse 16, he says, behold, first thing, that in the precaution, there's a behold. And that behold means almost, okay, in today's version, that's like you hear and from from someone elderly, from someone who's been around the block a few times, and they go, look at here, look at here, look at here, look at here. (laughs) They're telling you, pay attention. Look, 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 look. I got something to say. And this whole issue, the behold means look with intent, look with, with, with discernment, look and, and, and pay attention to what you see and what you hear. He says, behold, I send you out as sheep. First of all, I'm going to stop right there. I know today, boy, whenever people are angry at other people that blindly follow, that word has become negative today. You know, whenever you see someone just going along with what is and what is doesn't seem to be what's right, people are hashtag sheep. They'll say, Yeah, y'all just being sheep. And it's a negative term now. But this is not a negative term. When Christ uses it, it is a term of reality. He says, Look, I'm sending you out as sheep. There's a couple of things about sheep we need to understand, and the context here really helps us to understand it. He says, I've called you, I've given you. I've, I've given you my authority to go out and do some amazing, eye-catching things as you proclaim the gospel. But here is how I'm sending you out. Here is the, here, here is the attitude in which you are to possess as to who you are. Yes, you are my representative, but you are sheep. And, 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 and here's the sheep is one of those few animals that has... No defense mechanism for itself. See, when I think about other animals, I think about the porcupine. What's the defense mechanism Defense mechanism for the porcupine? Get close enough, you'll find out. <laughs> for the lion, it uh, roar, those teeth, you know, those paws. For the eagle, those talons. I live in a neighborhood where in the summertime, boy, we seem to have some sort of hawk problem. I think they call them turkey hawks. And we have our subdivision has a Facebook page and they've warned people in the summertime because you'll see them. They'll be flying around in a circle. I'm like, who are they, who are they waiting for to die? They're around here <laughs> circling. But they tell them to watch your small pets because they're known. And one time I saw one swoop down and sit on a fence not far from our house in the backyard. And, and, and you looked at them talons and, and them things about three inches long and they're sharp. And that's their defense mechanism. What does a sheep have? Wool? Nah. <laughs> Jesus was very particular, and God chose that to typify his children. Number one, why? Because the greatest defense mechanism that the sheep has is the shepherd. And they depend on the shepherd. The shepherd has to watch their back because sheep are are easily led astray. I know we like to think we've got great resolve and we all that. But God called us sheep for a reason. We are easily distracted and easily led astray from the Lord. Easily. I include myself. Our hearts are prone to wander and prone to think we got this and that we have it all together. And the interesting between goats and sheep, and I remember when we lived, and I shared the story a long time ago, when we lived up in Germany, we had a place that we took the kids to for youth retreat. And it was this youth hostel up the hill, and the owner of the hostel had both sheep and goats. And I stood there one day, and I finally, I mean, I understood. You know, I, I read my Greek and, and 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 all my cultural, you know, context but there one day i actually got it between sheep and goats and they had them separated they had the sheep out in the field and they had the sheep dogs and the shepherd and when it came time to move the dogs would just circle around and bark and the sheep would go this way and if they went too far they'd come around this way and the guy was on a horse and he was just leading them where he wanted them to go if they had to cross the street how they led them you know and 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 they moved where they wanted them to go. And occasionally, you would see one go off on his own. It's like, look, can you go get that one over there? And there you go and get the dog. And seriously, the dog would bark and would bring it back around. And here it would come and back into the fall. That's us. That's us. But then I also looked. And they had the goats in this small pen to themselves. And they were a kind of baby goats. And man, I was like... Boy, God knew what he was doing. They had this pen. They had one that was just feeling himself. He was, he was just jumping on everything. He would jump on another goat's back and up on the house and jump down. And, and then when they go the, and then they just started headbutting one another. I was just like, look at this. Yeah, exactly. Goats. And I was like, those that can be herded and followed and those that are on their own. And I saw that and I said, God, I get it. God, I get it. It, We are sheep. That the only way we're going to make it is if we allow ourselves to be led. Because he is the one that knows where he's leading. I know we don't like that term today, but reality is reality. But he says, I send you out as sheep, meaning you are defenseless. You are easily led astray. But if you let me lead you. Since I'm sending you, you will get to where I want you to be, which means you need to have your eyes on the shepherd all the time and your ears listening out for the shepherd. I send you out as sheep. But then, boy, he sweetens the deal. I wonder if, boy, they got attention when he said, I send you out as sheep, and the exact term really says, in the middle of wolves. Okay, can you can, can, can understand? I was just thinking, okay, Jesus, did you really know the example that you were giving? Because the sheep's greatest prey or predator, the one that looks to get at them the most is the wolf. Because the wolf knows they are easy prey. The wolf knows that if it's not for a good shepherd, we've got a good dinner. And he says, I send you. Not you're going to encounter, not you're going to, he says, where I'm sending you, I'm putting you right in the middle of danger. I know some of us says, as long as I'm with God, I'm safe. I don't know what safe means. Yeah, you're safe in that your eternity is set. You're safe is that you're in the middle of his purpose and his plan. But safe may not always be that you're going to feel okay. God sends you and I out. Two places that will be dangerous all around us, but he has us because he's the shepherd. It's like walking around with your own personal shepherd. And you're walking into the middle of woods. What's up, fellas? And they're like, does he know where he is? And they go, yeah, he's got that shepherd with him. He's got that shepherd. Yeah, well, if he didn't have that shepherd, it'd be over. And I would go... You are absolutely correct, and that is why this shepherd ain't leaving. See, the issue becomes when you are keenly aware that you don't bring anything to the table, boy, you have your eyes on that shepherd. It is when we think we've got this, God, I'll call you in a little bit when I need you that I think I'm out here and I got it. I can handle this. Yeah, I know there are wolves on every corner and I look like Thanksgiving dinner. I said, and but, but I got this. Really? And really all you and I are is that sheep that's wandered off and then go, go get that one. Go get him. But in, really, Jesus goes, be back. And he goes and get him. But he tells us, understand being sent, you have authority, you have my power, but you are defenseless and you are in the middle of your worst enemy. That if he gets the opportunity, he will tear you apart. Now, if that doesn't sober the person being sent out, and so because of that, he says that's a precaution, because of that, here's what you are to do. And I love this, Jesus doesn't give I'm gonna protect you from every and anything, so don't worry. No, he gives us something to do. He says, I send you out as sheep in the middle of wolves. Therefore, because of that, you are to do something. There is some behavior of the beholder. What is the behavior? He says, the behavior is to be wise, or depending on your version, it may say shrewd. Uh, some versions may say cunning. You get the term. What he's saying is like, don't be stupid as you go out. Just because you are sheep doesn't mean you are dumb. And he says, understand there takes some discernment and some working and some cunningness as you are amongst wolves. Don't go out there putting your head in the mouth of the wolf talking about, Jesus, going to protect me. No, you might get your head bit off right then. And now you are, you are in the presence of the shepherd. Because he was stupid. Here's my deal. I love what God does. He says to us, yeah, you're defenseless, but I've got your back. Yeah, I'm putting you in what seems like the most dangerous situation you can be because every one, all of the predators around you want your demise. He says, so because of that, when you walk in, you walk in the smartest in the room. You walk in understanding your environment. You walk in understanding your enemy. You walk in understanding yourself. And don't go putting yourself in situations that is going to hem you up. Or you're going to be in a situation where you should not be. God says you are wise, cunning. You are as sharp as a serpent. That analogy, they understood it because the serpent, when you see it sitting on its prey, will always put itself in positions where it is in the best possible place it could be. Sometimes when a serpent is seeking out a prey, you think you got to look on the ground and it's hanging from a tree. Sometimes you think when it's hanging on a tree or it's in the ground, it's in a hole and it's coming about. See, the issue becomes the serpent was understood to be one of the wisest animals out there. And God is saying, since you are sheep, be wise. Don't be dumb. Understand your word. Understand what God has out there. Understand the enemy. Don't play games. Don't think that this is some sort of game and that, and that you can just call on God like the genie in a lamp, that this isn't Aladdin, you don't have three wishes. But then he says, not only be wise and be shrewd, because if that's all we were, who we could bring God shame, because we would be, with our old evil hearts, we would be evil to deal with. But it says to be, to be as shrewd as serpents and as innocent or as harmless as doves. Doves were understood to be very loyal and very faithful to, the, to whom they belonged. They were known as an animal of peace. So let's, let's picture the analogy. These are almost two extremes. You are wise and cunning, yet faithful and peaceful. And so they temper one another. And he says, this is to be how you are as you are sent out. That as believers that are representing Jesus Christ, as followers of him, he says, you are to be as smart as ever, understanding and devising ways that will bring honor and glory to God while you're faithful to the mission and the cause, being people of peace. And that does not give us time to go out in arrogance. That doesn't give us time to go out thinking that everything is about us. And then I'm going out to get mine, and, and, and I, I'm, I'm, I'm out here for myself. God says, no, you're representing me. And so he says, that's how you are to go out. And so he gives them a behold, but then he gives them a beware. He says, as part of the precaution, beware of men. Now, let me say what this doesn't say. This is not telling everyone, watch out for guys. No, he's not, he's not saying watch out for males. When he says men, that is men and women. I know that somebody says, see, Jesus said, beware of men. He's saying watch out for humanity. And really what he means is sinful humanity. The ones you are going out of, I mean, going out in the middle of these wolves, he says, beware. Why do I need to beware? First behold and understand where you are. But the next he says, beware. He says, because there are several reasons why. You and I will be tempted to trust those who are out there more than we trust Christ. And he says, don't do it. He says, why? Because look, they really don't have your best interest in mind. I know you think you can gain some things by by becoming great friends with them, but he says, beware. He says, look out, keep an eye on. Don't take your eye on. If anyone ever tells you to beware of someone, they're telling you don't be careless around them, but to be cautious. And Jesus says, beware of men. And what he meant is men that are in leadership, those that have influence and status. He says, why? Because they don't have your best interest in mind. He says, don't trust them. Here's what he says, actually, for them. He says, look, beware of men, for they will deliver you over to court and flog you in their synagogues. And now who's in mind here are the religious leaders, are the Sanhedrin, are the Pharisees. He says, I know they come across as those who are godly and those who should have good in mind. But he says, keep an eye on them. He says, because they want your demise. God tells you and I today, look, as you go out, I know there's a lot of people calling themselves Christians. He says, but as you watch their lifestyle, and as you watch these people who call themselves friends, and as you watch these people who want to be on your side, he says, beware, why? He says, you better be looking in that wiseness of a serpent. You better be looking at their lives, he says, because some of them don't want you to make it. They want you to turn around on God. They want you to give up. They want to embarrass. They want to have a stain on the gospel because of you. And because of that, he says, beware. He says, because their desire is to drag you in the court. In other words, to legally get you out of the picture. Because the courts are set up from the world's perspective against you as the believer." And so he says, they will drag you into their courts. If that wasn't enough, then he says, well, let me give you just a little bit more. He says, and you will be dragged before governors and kings. And, and like, he didn't say you'd be walked before you'd be taken. You'd be dragged before them. You will be forcibly brought out. Before people who have influence over me, I mean, who have rule over you and who have status over you and may even have influence against you, you will be brought before them. In this particular case, the people he was sending out mostly were uneducated. And so he's not advocating, don't prepare what to say when you're in their presence. He says, sometimes you will be placed in fearful situations. You won't know what to say or if what I say is going to hurt me or help me. And God says, when they drag you, don't be afraid. Why? Because the shepherd is here. He says, the spirit of the Lord will give you, my father will give you what to say in that hour. Here's what I like. Remember back when Mike spoke last week, he told them not to take anything for their journey because they were supposed to have a spirit or air of dependency and trust on God. Don't be dependent on yourself In this situation, he does it again. He says to them, don't worry about what you're going to say. Oh, God, what am I going to do? Lord, I don't know what to say. God said, I'm going to give it to you. When are you going to give it? Can I get it the day before? No, in that hour. In that hour, I'm like, come on. Can't you give it to me at least 10 hours before? God says, in that hour. What is God advocating? A spirit of dependency that goes right up to the wire No, you didn't give me anything yet, God, but I'm not worried. I know you're going to give me something. God, you got five minutes, but you're going to give me something? (laughs) See, the issue becomes God is fostering in his people an air of dependency on him, an air of trust in him that you are not concerned. Think of the environment you're out against your greatest enemies All of them want your demise. They they are putting you in in very anxious-seeming situations, and God tells you, I got you. Understand how he set these disciples up. So when it happened, now you know you and I are reading now Matthew's account. He's not writing this as he's going along. Matthew is now writing, having reflected on what Jesus said. Matthew is now writing, having reflected on the time when when he was walking with Jesus. Understand that. And they now remember what Jesus said. And they're seeing it in play. And so, boy, he tells them, beware of men. And then he just throws it out. I was like, can you just stop talking, Jesus? For he says, when they deliver you over, do not be anxious how you will speak or what you are to say. For what you are to say will be given to you in an hour. For it is not you who speak, but the spirit of your father speaking through you. And then he leans in. If it wasn't bad enough that the community seemed to be out against me, now my family seems to be in on it. And these, this is for ungodly, unrepentant. This, this is for family that is not following God. He says, even your family, because their hearts aren't turned to me, will turn against you. And many have actually witnessed that all over this world. He says, brother will deliver brother over to death. And father his child. I cannot imagine. Because and father, his child is in the same vein over to death. Do you understand the depth of the wicked heart of men? He says that 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 a father would be willing to turn over his child to death because his child is following Jesus. And children will rise up against parents and have them put to death. And you have to understand this is in the context of a society that honored their elders. This is, this is a, today we see it happening, even in the world. But here he says this is in the context of a society where it was taboo for you to rise up and dishonor and disrespect elders like that. And he says they will rise up and seek their death. Why? Because they follow Jesus. Now, all of a sudden, following Jesus doesn't seem to be trendy. Now, all of a sudden, following God doesn't seem to be the thing you say after you receive your award before everyone else. Now you become a mark. And let me ask that question. If you and I did if, that, if, if, if it became illegal starting tomorrow, For you and I, the name, the name of Christ, how many of us would give the peace two finger sign, if not publicly, internally, and say, hey, I need to watch it now? See, the issue becomes we have the benefit of us as Christians being in the good, in the favor with God. I mean, with, with our society still to some. But what if it got dangerous? I have to ask myself would I walk away? Would I hit the door? Would I go into hiding? The issue became Jesus is sending them out publicly in a place in which they are marked. And it's the persecution because of Jesus that is at the center. He says, 22, and you will be hated by all for my name's sake. And that is that persecution because of Jesus. You will be hated by all because of me. And understand that who you are, if you are a follower of Christ, is, 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 is diametrically opposed to who the world is. They do not like you. So quit trying to get their approval. Now, you don't need to be purposely making people angry. I'm a Christian, so I need to have everyone against me. No, they will be. Just be a Christian. (laughs) But we got folk out there that are trying hard to have the world against them. And that's not what God is advocating. What he is saying is that you will. Live for me. Live your life according to how I want you to live. Follow me, and they will hate you. And boy, that tempers it for you and I. Yeah, you know what? There will be some times you're going to be lonely and you're going to be man of God. I ain't got no friends. God I ain't, got no, I ain't got nobody here for me, God. God said, you got me? Yeah, but I need some physical. I need some, I need a person. <laughs> God warns you and I. Sometimes it's going to be a lonely road. Are you ready for it? And then lastly, he says this. He says, look, they will hate you because of me. And then there's a promise. Number one is in that when, we, when he said in that hour, he will give you what to say. The promise is you are not alone ever. And as, as a matter of fact, Jesus, Jesus' advocate, Jesus said it clearly at the end. When he tells them at the end, at the end of my, and in Matthew, he says, look, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. And, and he said that, but he says it here. He, look, you're not alone because your father will give you what to say. The shepherd is watching you. You will know what to do. He tells you you are not alone. That's the first promise. Second promise that you get from him is that you are not greater than your master. And this is where I think people think they actually are. I'm better off than Jesus. Because we look at toward the end, he says, a disciple, verse 24, a disciple is not above his teacher, nor a servant above his master. And that's just any disciple, not just a, a disciple of Christ. But when you talk about the whole thing of discipleship, many times the teacher wanted their students to become better than they were. They did because you taught. And if your pupil became better than you, you, will seen, you were seen as a great teacher. But Jesus said, no, 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 not in this case. There is no better than me. As a matter of fact, you will never be exactly like me, but you can be like me. Yeah, you, know, you can have your, your character can be like him and you can, you can grow and, and you can increase in maturity. But it says a disciple is never above. In his case, is not above the teacher. You will learn from him. And a servant is not above his master. That promise too is that he gives you perspective. You get the right perspective. You and I will not be better than Jesus. And in what light is he saying? In this light, if they hated me, they'll hate you. If they talked about me, they'll talk about you. If they hate that you came into me, if they hate that I walked into the room, they'll hate that you walked into the room. If when I did good, they would hate it because I ruined their good little wicked thing, they're going to do that with you too. In other words, he says, whenever you walk into a place, what they thought about me, what they think about me, and what they wish would happen to me is going to be the same thing for you. And so he says, don't, don't get upset. If they don't like you, if they don't want you around, guess what? It's because they didn't want me around. If they crucified me, who had power, what do you think they're going to try and do to you? He said, if they called me Lord of the Flies, that's what Beelzebub means. If they, if they, or, or it became Lord of the Dung, D-U-N-G. And for those that don't know what dung is, Lord of the feces heap. Okay, crap. Yeah. <laughs> Folks still looking at me like, you know, you know, you know. And what that really meant is you were the worst evil that you, that, that, you know, you mean Lord of the flies over the dung heap. Can you imagine that picture? And what they called extremely holy. Well, no, who was extremely holy? They called extremely evil. And he said, if they did that about me, he says at the end, how much more will they malign you? Understand that they will say some evil things about you. They will treat you, boy, worse than they treated me. On your jobs, they're not all out for you. Um, Or they are all out for you, but not in a good way. He says, understand who you are, where you are. And don't let it turn you off. That's the biggest thing he's telling them. I sent you out. Here's the environment you're going in. Here's how people will respond to you. Now go. And then he tells them earlier on, I'm going to end it at, he says if they persecute you in one town, here's our version. Quit and go home. (laughs) I'm done, man. Look. I was over there in Indianapolis and they didn't want me around, Jesus, so I'm done. God says, they don't want you in Indy? Go to Cincinnati. They don't want you in Cincinnati? Go to Louisville. They don't want you in Louisville? Find another city. He says, you aren't going to be able to get to every city before I come. He says, the issue becomes, just keep moving. Yeah, they don't want you. Yeah, they're trying to put you. Just keep moving. Why? Because what is the focus? The mission. Not you. Not me. What's the focus? The mission. Who's the one that's got our back? Jesus. So he says to you, when they shut it down in one place, because you're wise and you're cunning and you're shrewd, open up another. When they shut that one down, open up another. You always find a way to proclaim who I am because the mission is of ultimate importance. Why? Because you are introducing people to the living God, to hope that is in the world, to the power of the gospel. That's why Paul could say, I am not ashamed of the gospel, because it is the power of God. And Paul, when he was beat near dead, did he quit? He got up and went to another town. He did exactly what Jesus said. And for you and I today, boy, when we're talked about in one place, Jesus said, okay, get over it, son. You're going to be okay. You're going to be okay. Keep moving. I got more for you to do. Or When are they going to speak well of me? They may never speak well of you. They may never like you. They may never want to be your friend. They may never look out for, for your back. They may never help your career. As a matter of fact, they may always do the opposite. And Jesus says, I'm the shepherd I've called you, I've sent you, I've got you. End of story. And so as we go, be prepared for persecution. And when you do, you won't be turned away when it happens. You'll be like they were in Acts. You remember after they were told not to preach and they went back out and preached anyway because they realized they had to because they were sent? And then they were flogged and beaten. At the end of that in Acts, it says they rejoiced. Okay, when was the last time you rejoiced when you got your behind beat? (laughs) He said they rejoiced. Why? Because they were counted worthy to suffer. Do you think this actually took that they embraced what Jesus said here? Sure they did. They considered themselves worthy to suffer for the faith. And what about you and I? Boy, when it gets hard, I'm done, Lord. Oh, I'm finished. God says, keep it moving until you finally can stop when you're face to face before him. And hear those wonderful words. Well done, good and faithful servant. Enter into the joy. Of your Lord. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much. God, that you have loved us enough to prepare us for what's to come. Oh, Lord, this isn't one of those shout your hallelujah messages. It is sobering because the reality is we live in a hostile world that does not love you. And because of that, Lord, Following you means preparing for persecution. Father, I pray today that our following is not because you give us good things. Our following is not because you make us look good. Our following is not because you set us up or hook us up. We follow you because you're the truth, because you're the way, because you are life. And we follow you, Lord, because we know that is what we were created to do. I pray today that if there are any that are wavering on following you because of persecution, either of health, of environment, of life, of job, of family, Lord, that they would lean in and realize that the shepherd has them and that they would keep moving, finding other places to complete the mission, knowing that you will never leave. We ask you this in Christ's name, amen.